Isaiah chapter 45, verses 14 through 25. Thus says the Lord, the wealth of Egypt and the merchandise of Cush and the Sabaeans, men of stature, shall come over to you and be yours. They shall follow you. They shall come over in chains and bow down to you. They will plead with you saying, surely God is in you and there is no other no God besides him. Truly, you are a God who hides himself, O God of Israel, the Savior. All of them are put to shame and confounded. The makers of idols go in confusion together, but in Israel, but Israel is saved by the Lord Yahweh with everlasting salvation. You shall not be put to shame or confounded to all eternity. For thus says the Lord, who created the heavens, he is God, who formed the earth and made it, he established it. He did not create it empty, he formed it to be inhabited. He says, I am the Lord, and there is no other. I did not speak in secret in a land of darkness. I did not say to the offspring of Jacob, seek me in vain. I, the Lord Yahweh, speak the truth. I declare what is right. Assemble yourselves and come. Draw near together, you survivors of the nations. They have no knowledge who carry about their wooden idols and keep on praying to a God that cannot save. Declare and present your case. Let them take counsel together. Who told this long ago? Who declared it of old? Was it not I, the Lord? And there is no other God besides me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none besides me. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is no other. By myself I have sworn, from my mouth has gone out in righteousness a word that shall not return. To me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear allegiance. Only in the Lord it shall be said of me are righteousness and strength. To him shall come and be ashamed all who were incensed against him. In the Lord, all the offspring of Israel shall be justified and shall glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And thanks be to God. What an insanely powerful word. And, you know, we're, we're talking about the nations now, which is kind of where this is headed. And I alluded to this when we started Isaiah we started in chapter 40, which starts with comfort my people, comfort my people. Yeah. And um, one of the things we alluded to is that uh, when we hear my people in the context there, we think, okay, you know, the, the Israelites, the sons of Abraham. And what we're going to see and what we're seeing now is as Isaiah builds this case for the salvation of the Lord, it's actually a salvation that reaches out towards all the nations. Uh, in love and injustice, and you know, this reading today starts really interestingly with the the wealthy Egyptians and merchants of Cush. You know, the, these powerful people who kind of would look down on the lowly, struggling nation of Judah and the fallen nation of Israel, that they're going to come to them in chains and bow down. And I think in our human instincts, we think, oh, an enemy comes and bows down before you that's the time to like take advantage of them, you know, and uh, to kind of crush them. 
And yet here, the Lord bids these people um, to, to come and to be saved. Turn to me, verse 22, turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth. So there's this salvation and righteousness that's in the Lord that we're talking about. So Thomas, what are your thoughts on everything that the Lord is saying of himself and of the nations here in uh, verses 14 through 25? Well, you know, if you're, if you're a Bible reader, um, you do eventually ask the question of, okay, in the New Testament, we have this mandate for evangelism, but I don't really see as much of that in the, in the old covenant. And so like, does God just change his mind when we get to the new Testament? Mm -hmm. And there's this like, Oh, okay. Now everybody gets to know about me. But if you read a little more critically, um, when you look at the old covenant, the old Testament, you'll actually see God's heart's always been for the nations Mm -hmm. and he has to pick somebody to have his, his son come into the world through. And so he picks the least of these. He picks Abraham and Abraham becomes the father of a nation. Uh, and so, you know, we, we, we have to see it, the big narrative, the meta narrative to see, Oh, just because it says evangelism and go to the ends of the earth in the new Testament doesn't mean that the Lord's heart wasn't that the whole time. Mm -hmm. And so I think, on a very practical note, it is very easy to view our current New Covenant, New Testament, Christ-centric faith. We can view it very much as just a mission for personal holiness. Mm. And mm. I think that that is so common. And as a preacher, as a worship leader, it's very easy for us to preach messages and sing songs that even kind of put the focus on like, how's my personal holiness? How's mm-hmm. my personal walk with the Lord? And this is a call to step back and say, God has a heart for the nations. Yeah. Yeah. And it's only in him is their salvation. Totally. I need to develop a heart for the nations. Mm-hmm. And that is a part of my personal holiness. Mm-hmm. It's a huge part of my personal holiness. In fact, it's the outworking of, of my personal holiness. You're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Like we, we see, oh, Israel, whether they knew it or not, it's almost like they're being informed. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, people are going to come to you. Get ready. Amen. They're going to ask, what is this hope that you have? Uh, And so I think we see a lot of that in in these verses. Um, And the idol makers are going to be in confusion. What is is happening? Um, Israel gets saved by the Lord with an everlasting salvation. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... I think that the the I did not say of the offspring of Jacob seek me in vain. When we seek the Lord, it is not in vain. When we're praying for the nations, it is not in vain. Uh, when we are working to be better at articulating our faith, mm-hmm. leveraging our resources to be able to expand the reach of the gospel, it is not in vain. Mm-hmm. And so, just as we seek the Lord, it is not in vain. It is not in vain when these others who don't know the Lord when we try to help them understand the need to seek the Lord. So I think there's a, just a beautiful call there of the Lord's heart for the nations, his heart for using people that know him to reach the nations. Mm -hmm. And again, like we talked about yesterday, his sovereignty of, I am drawing people to myself. Mm, Absolutely. You know, uh, 
the British Library. There's a museum there. Have you ever been there in is London? This is like a loaded question. No, but no, it's I, not. I'm it's about not, to go there on Google Earth. There we go. Um, I'm I'm going to London soon, and I I hope to swing through. It's a really cool little. It's in like that in London, the kind of big library, but there's a yeah. museum within there, and it's a pretty astonishing place. Like there's original manuscripts of like Shakespeare and there's like the receipt that John Lennon started writing yesterday on like that sort of stuff. Um, Charles Dickens manuscripts. But anyways, um, I had a really profound moment there. Uh, the first and only time that I've been there, which was, I was walking around and there's kind of a religions of the world section. And so there's all these like ancient artifacts of, Christianity, of Islam, of Eastern religion, you know, Buddhism, uh, all that sort of stuff. And I just had this amazing moment where I was kind of walking around looking at all these things. And, you know, it's like old copies of the scriptures of these different religions and uh, kind of like an equal amount, I think, of each. And what struck me is so amazing. And I think that this is the distinctive that Isaiah that the Lord is speaking here in Isaiah 45. When I walked through like the Muslim kind of section, all of the scriptures were in Arabic mm-hmm. and they all, you know, kind of had that like Middle Eastern artistic flair, um, the Arab artistic sure. flair. And then all the Eastern uh, religions like Buddhism and Hinduism and like those religions, all of those scriptures were kind of in their respective religions. And then there was the Christianity section and there were all these old copies of the Bible that had like depictions. And so of course, you know, you had like your Anglo-Saxon Bibles from like forever ago that have the like white Jesus and everything. And then there was like an Ethiopian Bible um, with like these depictions where all the, all the people that were being depicted were in this like African art style. And they were all, you know, looked Ethiopian. Yeah. And basically, as you go through, all these Christian scriptures are in all these different languages. All the art Hmm. is reflecting all these different, like, nationalities and ethnicities of the artists. And it was really mind-blowing to me. Like, this is the only religion that has truly spanned the nations. And that's exactly what God says it's going to do. Like, from, you know, the the beginning of the Bible to like the middle of the prophecies um, and up to the great commission and everything afterwards to revelation when, you know, it says that the fruit of the tree of life is for the healing of nations. Mm. And so this is like one of the most distinctive, compelling aspects of Christianity that we can wrap our minds around. And then, you know, to decentralize ourselves from it. Cause I know for me, when I think of like, God is, you know, going to gather the nations. I kind of imagine myself in like the original people group being addressed here. Yeah. And then it's like, oh yeah. And then there's going to be like the Chinese and the Brazilians and like everybody. But it's like, no, like I, you and I as the like, you know, Anglo-Saxon kind of mutt ethnicities that we have, like we are on the fringes of this promise that has spanned yeah. the earth and reached us today centuries later and it is so powerful that like we are proof that this promise has come Mm -hmm. true 
And like our church is proof that this promise is true. And of course it doesn't stop there, but it continues to grow around the world. But that's one of the, been one of the most strengthening things for my faith is to realize like that this is the good news that has moved across the earth, across languages, across time periods, across cultures, yeah. without reservation, unlike any other religion or idea has been able to. And that's exactly what God says is going to happen. And it's not in this like belligerent conquest of the world to like force this submission, which that's kind of more of what Islam uh, reflects, but that it's this salvation, you know, verse 22, turn to me and be saved. That God is going to reach across the earth and bring all these people in to be saved into a salvation. And then so that it will be said only in the Lord are righteousness and strength. And I mean, that is just like an insane thing to look at and then to fact check that across history and see that it holds up. 100%. And I think that uh, when we see that in verse 23, uh, every tongue will confess every knee will bow we're reminded of of hebrews 12 like the that at some point the lord will call everyone into account and every knee will bow every tongue will will confess that jesus is lord and the the call um when you combine this with the whole council of scripture the call is if you are a follower of jesus if you have been saved Mm. I'm on this like rescue mission for the rest of my life now mm-hmm. that I, I want to, uh, it, it's like when you watch one of the world war two documentaries, or you read a world war two book of a family that, um, that tried to help the Jews in world war two, every person who tried to help them has the same, the same line when they're, when their life is, when the war's over and life is returning to normal, they all say, I wish I would have done more. Hmm. And I think the sobering call for the follower of Christ is that every knee will bow, every tongue will swear allegiance, Isaiah 45, 23. Um, and it's only in the Lord that mm. righteousness and strength are found. So, man, let me be about making him known mm-hmm. in the most, um, in the most <laughs> clear and loving, contextualized way that I can, and let my life portray him as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and it doesn't matter if you're about to go into exile, doesn't matter if you're coming out of exile, it doesn't matter if you're in exile, like the Lord is the Lord and it's Mm. my job to say, let the nations be glad. Let, let me tell people about who the Lord is and may the Lord use me to help add to that every tribe and tongue and nation Mm -hmm. in his kingdom. And so. I just think this is a a great reminder for us to remember only in him is salvation. Nobody guesses the gospel. I love that line. Nobody guesses the gospel. Wow. We the Lord has left us here in part, in large part, to be his witness mm. to the rest of the world. Amen. You know, it's a very this is just one of those God's sovereignty moments where this morning I was listening to a sermon. Uh, by our friend, the great Miles Fidel um, at ACC. And he was preaching on Acts 10. So Peter's vision of, you know, the animals and the sheep. And it's basically this like watershed moment for the early church 
uh, of God realizing, uh, you know, making real sense of realizing God making real this prophecy of Isaiah 45 mm-hmm. and helping the church to realize. And, and, you know, there's just this profound line uh, where, you know, God tells Peter to rise and eat of all these like unclean animals, which would have been totally repulsive. And, and it is unimaginable to him. He's like, I've never eaten un- anything unclean. And then the spirit of God says, what God has made clean, do not call common. And it's such an amazing passage to pair. We, you know, we, we need to sign off here. It's an amazing passage though, to pair with Isaiah 45 and to see God isn't making amendments throughout the rest of the Bible, but he's fulfilling his word. That's right. And so as the church is born, you know, this promise towards the nations is accomplished by the blood of Jesus and reinforced by the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. And you and I and anyone listening, we are the beneficiaries of that and we're the beneficiaries of the blood. It's our only hope. And so we can rise up with all these voices of the nations and say, only in Yahweh are righteousness and strength. So for Thomas Nelson, this is Will Carlisle. Isaiah is just a great place to be. And so we'll see you tomorrow in Isaiah on Our Daily Rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ's Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.